0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me for this conversation again this week is Kales. Aloha. Aloha. You know, I wondered, we should have learned a Vietnamese way to say hello. Or, we, I missed something. We yeah. did. We made a mistake. If, if Patrick was here, Patrick would have done his homework and come correct. But, mm-hmm. we're two scrubs <laughs> filling in. What can we do? Well, it's been nearly five years since Disney last delivered a fresh new animated film that wasn't a sequel. So, of course, we have to dive into Raya and the Last Dragon to see what the studio's first Southeast Asian-inspired story has to offer. Before we get into it, though, Kales, tell the people again how they can save some money on our favorite website.
1: Well, we have recently made a partnership with Letterboxd, the best social media app on the planet. If you are a film pursuers and you want to have a space to check out what your friends are watching and get those lovely perks such as stats, give this app a shot. We currently have an offer if you put in the code Feeling Film, and that's F E E. L-I-N film. You can get a 20% off a pro or a Patreon subscription. If you already have an account, the code will work just the same if you want to renew or to upgrade.
0: Man, good stuff. Absolutely great. I'm excited to find out if anybody's using this code because we don't really know until Letterboxd sends us a report, you know, a month or two down the road and says, oh, hey, by the way. So hopefully you guys out there are taking advantage of this. I know I'm going to take advantage of it, actually, because I've been wanting to sign up the Feelin and Film page itself as a pro membership, and I'm going to use this code to do that. So excited about that. Uh, Real quick, also wanted to plug a few recent guest appearances from Kales and I. We've both been very busy. I was on Popcorn Theology podcast, episode 231, talking about Your Name, my favorite animated, or I guess my favorite anime film of all time. And I was also on a podcast called Cinematic Underdogs on their episode 22, talking about The Queen's Gambit, and my top five favorite sports films. And I say top five, that's a little loose. I may or may not have gone slightly over five, (laughs) as I tend to do. Uh, There will also be another follow-up episode on the cinematic underdogs coming out in a few days where we discussed other chess films uh, in addition to The Queen's Gambit, kind of like piggybacking off that, and that was a lot of fun too. So check out those two. Kales, who is also a podcaster who does some work with victims and villains, Uh, was recently on episode 363, talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, and and on episode 369, which was the first of their new Road to the Snyder Cut series, talking about Man of Steel. So check us out on those podcasts as well. Let's get into Raya and the Last Dragon. Kales, what was your one-word takeaway?
1: This film is mostly speaking to us about trust, and that was my one-word takeaway it's very easy in our society where it's kind of like built on us looking out for each other. Not not really each other. It's not really built on us looking out for each other. That's why we we'll want it to be. But it's kind of built on us just caring about ourselves and not other people. And most of that can come from fear. Most of that can come from jealousy. Or that can come from us just being ignorant and not willing to communicate with each other. And part of that boils down to having mistrust in one another, which is sad to say because most of the time we trust people that we don't even know that we have got we haven't gotten a chance to know about and this film really speaks to us if we want to improve our society we have to prove the way that we trust each other
0: man that is very succinct and spot Hmm. on my one word takeaway also was trust uh, for the very same reason because it is such a strong theme coming out of this film it's just oozing that storyline and i think that it's handled very well in this movie. It's not to the point where, I mean, it's clear, but it's clear in a way that for an animated film, kids are going to be able to pick up on what is being said and adults as well can see the bigger picture and the way that trust works in this film, not only just between characters on an individual level, but it is addressed on a much broader kind of, global scale. And that's something that the world is dealing with right now in a big, big way. And I think that for me, at least it really did, obviously for you too, but for us, I'll say it really did kind of bring that to our mind and make us think about how we need to approach relationships with other people. And so, yeah, I think that the film does a great job of that. And it's, Always awesome when a Disney film is able to bring forth a strong theme while giving you a fun adventure, which this movie absolutely is. If you listened to us talk about this one before on FF Plus, thank you, but we are definitely going to go deep now, so this is your spoiler warning. We are going to cover the whole thing. Spoil the heck out of it. I'll say this before we jump in, I did watch this a second time, and I am firmly in the camp now, Coles, of believing that this is worth $30 for a family. Now, I say that it's worth that. I really hate to use those words because I don't want to tell people what is value for somebody's financial situation. But what I'm saying is, is it is the kind of movie that I fully believe your entire family will enjoy and you will want to watch more than once. So if that sounds like it's worth $30 to you, then it is... It, more worth it to me than Mulan was. And that's a win for Disney, I think. Now, if you can get out to see it at theaters, I, again, envy you. And I think that you're doing yourself a big favor. Especially because in theaters, the film actually has a short film playing before it called Us Again. This is one of Disney's first short films in many years, actually. Uh, Walt Disney Pictures itself. Usually they do something really dumb like... Olaf's snowman adventure or something. I don't even remember what it was, but it made me really angry because there were like these little baby Olafs. Oh my God. Did you get a chance to watch uh, Us Again, Kales? I know I just told you about it today.
1: I have seen it pop up on a few of my friends Letterboxd profile pages, which once again, hey, get our deal over at Letterboxd. It's worth it. Um, and at first, when I saw the poster, it, it looked like almost like, did they make a Spider-Verse short? Like it, it looked like the, <laughs>
0: the
1: characters from Spider-Verse when you look at the little thumbnail image, but I did some digging, and it looks like it's getting pretty good reviews, and I know that you compared it on a post to La La Land, which I still have not seen, but what? hey, I'm interested in watching it.
0: Oh, this this whole podcast just got derailed. Did you just say you still have not seen La La I don't know. We're going to finish this, <laughs> but I don't know if this relationship is going to work. I, if we can't, we may need to, this needs to be rectified, but yes, I did compare it to La La Land. <laughs> Uh, it's visually, you're right, it's not got the same, like, texture as Into the Spider-Verse, but it is very visually similar, like, with neon color, very bright colors, um, and very striking difference of colors, and blacks, and reds, and purples, and, and blues, and it actually really feels a lot to me like La La Land. It feels like an animated version of that. It's about this couple an interracial couple, which I think is awesome who have this memory of meeting and dancing in the rain. And it just, it's all about like this older couple reminiscing about their past and having this incredible moment. And the whole thing is set to an awesome jazzy music score, but the animation of them dancing and moving in this short film is set to the beats of the jazzy score. And it really, it's it just, it's a visual treat to like watch and hear it kind of in motion together. It, it's really unique and special and it stuck out in a big way. So I think people are going to love this one when they get to see it. I also think it probably will look amazing on the big screen because it looked really great on my TV. Um And I would love to hear it and see it, you know, in a theater. So us again, it's actually directed by the director of Big Hero 6, I read. So he's back with this, and yeah, highly recommend that. But all that out of the way, I'm going to be thinking about you not seeing La La Land the whole time we do this, but I'm going to try to get refocused on Ray and the Last Dragon. <laughs> so the film starts off with an awesome description of what happened in the world of Kumandra. And it describes how the drone. Which is the big bad purple villain in this movie, fought the humans of the world and ultimately turned everything to stone. And ultimately, Sisu and Sisu's family of dragons came together as some of the last remaining dragons. The dragons in this world were fighting to protect the humans. They came together, they shared all of their magic powers and created this dragon gem power within sisu who was able to defeat the drone and then remained as a gem form so it's this really deep lore and this really kind of mythological setup and i gotta tell you man for me and it was like the first line of the review that i wrote on letterboxd was i was hooked from this opening sequence because i love mythologies and i love getting a lore drop like this and it really gave me a a way into this world and a story and a a background for what was going to be eventually happening and it showed me this place that I wasn't quite familiar with right and it and I liked that I liked that it wasn't just the human earth with dragons on it right there's a difference to it because you have this drone, this entity that all, all is really not explained at any point in the film. That may be slightly a drawback. Overall, I don't know, but really, it's just a power. This thing that consumes and turns everything to stone. And for me, it really set that tone early on that it really isn't about what the enemy, the drone, are. It, it they are just they're the thing that we need to. Bu- bound together to fight against and it doesn't really matter what they are it matters that how we react to it right and I I really felt that right from the beginning and I just I loved it I loved the visuals the dragons it it made me want to learn more about what was going on and find out how these humans came back from being you know stone and how they were going to recover and I, I really really liked it
1: For me, it's always great when a film is dropping you in a new world like this, you have some kind of exposition. I'm not talking about the exposition where it's clearly the story is trying to explain you every facet of what's going on. Now, this is this is the opening that I liked because it shows you that there was once a time where the world was peaceful it's the ideal world that we all search for where humans are able to work together care for one another respect one another and live without any war or any violence and we see that there are these mythical dragons that are there as well and they're helping keeping the environment protected and clean and making sure that everybody's living in harmony and it also sets up how important getting the pieces for the dragon Gym is for kaya's journey you know we we understand now why she is sacrificing and why she's fighting so hard what and what's motivating her to get these dragon pieces together because she sees that this is something that can change the world this is something that you know could bring her family back this is something that will keep the tribes from not fighting amongst one another if we if she can complete this mission of getting the gym back together then you know everything is peachy keen and it also lets us know about who the drone are and what their effects are on this world and how it's turned the world upside down and the, all of the pain that is given to people. And it also shows you what how how much people are losing. You know, they're losing their sense of normalcy. They're using they're losing their family members. They're losing their friends. You know, they're losing those connections. And this you know this description of what the world was. I mean, it does a lot in just establishing the story in a great way.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think that were we not given this background, that the film would have been unreasonably long to try and show all of the, to try and work up to this and then undo it, right? So that we can then put it back together again. I think it did a great job of really condensing this information into a very interesting visual and auditory package that just sucks you in. And get you immediately going, okay, what's happening? Because we're thrown into this moment with Rhea where she is essentially what I like to say, being a Tomb Raider. And I was like, okay, you're going to be Lara Croft. Like I'm here for this. Like absolutely, I'm in. And she's going through these traps with her cute little pill bug companion. Cause in Disney movies, we got to have a little animal companion. And this is as good as any. Uh, And I doesn't talk. Tuck-tuck doesn't talk. So that's one drawback, I think, for some. But wouldn't fit in this world. And you already have a talking, quote, animal with the dragon, right? But Raya is, like, thrown into this immediately. And she goes through this adventure sequence. And we get to meet her dad. And we get to kind of establish right away that, oh, so they're protecting this dragon gem now like we don't need exposition at that point so it transitions I think really well into the backstory into like hey here's how it's going now and we're not going to tell you we're going to show you um, and so I enjoyed that I wondered like once we get into the story and so I guess kind of like leading up to the main crux of the adventure where the dragon gem breaks apart her getting to meet her dad and really just learning about the five tribes, uh, in the world. Did you see any kind of real world connotation there to like how that was, would apply to us?
1: Well, let me pick the easiest example. Um, politics. <laughs> we have people <laughs> who are Democrats. That's a tribe. We have people who are Republicans. That's a tribe. And, you know, we have the independents, Tea Party members, whatever. They're all considered tribes. And, we have seen over the last few years especially that these tribes have are fighting to an extreme level we're seeing that now if you even think about wanting to agree with the other side then you're cast out by pariah by your side that you were with you know it's like almost we can't agree to disagree on anything anymore and we see in the film that many of these tribes You know the reason why they're jealous or or why they're kind of in fighting amongst each other is because many of them are just not comfortable with where they're at at their current position. You know, I think um, one of the tribes talks to you know Kaya and her father, and they tell them like, "Well, I see you're not complaining. I mean, you you got a lot of resources. You got more resources than we do, and that's one issue of it is that they feel that Kaya and her tribe are being selfish and that they're not giving away more of their spoils. And you know, it's funny we live in a world where individualism is really celebrated, you know, where, Hey, I got minds this way and that way. And if you don't have what I have, then you're doing something wrong. And it keeps us away from wanting to help out people that do need help. We, we see the person who's like lacking shelter or food or anything that we take for granted. And we think that that's a moral failure on their part. When really it's just that things, luck, circumstances have have maybe bounced for us in a different way than other people did and that's not necessarily their fault and it's not necessarily our fault it's just a we have to find a way to look at each other in the eye as human beings and folk and talk to each other focus on that and i see that in the film when kaya goes on her journey that's what she talks about she talks about the dragon gem as a way to unite the tribes again because she knows that her father told her the story which opens up the movie about what times were like when the dragon gem was in place so she knows that it's possible she knows that this is just this isn't just a fantasy this is something that could be done and it inspires her to to go to these different places and try to reclaim relics of the gem to put it back together and as for us in real life you know there's no like dragon gem or anything like that that's going to bring us all together but it starts with us having it starts with us just having that conversation having those connections willing to be to sit down and not look at somebody for what they have and have those connotations like oh they're better than me i shouldn't talk to them or oh they have less than me i shouldn't be with them it's like no like me and you we we have blood that runs through our body we beat from the same hearts we have eyes we look through i mean we're all the same the only difference us is maybe just how our pigment color is that's all or maybe that we believe in a different religion. There's no problem with that. You know, lead your life how you want to lead. But we have to get each other, we have to know each other from a personal basis and really understand each other and be tolerant of one another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The opening section, I think, sets the tone really well. And it does make us immediately start to approach the rest of the story through the lens of how it applies to our world or how it could apply to us i like the world building too because we get to learn about the five regions having names it's a really neat world kumandra it's shaped like a dragon and there's five regions there's heart thang spine talon and tail all named after the portion of the dragon on the map right where that tribe lives and just like you kind of were alluded to, like it takes all of them to form the dragon, right? Like the dragon whole is not all of Kumandra. It's not one dragon without the tail or without the fangs or without the spine. So all of them together form that dragon. I think it's a great visual representation for us. And so when they come together, I love Rhea's dad and the things he says in this opening section. He's talking about how Immediately, I believe that we can be Kumandra again, he says, but someone has to take the first step. And so he is exhibiting that behavior, which later Sisu is going to champion throughout the movie. He is taking the first step. He's saying, listen, we know we have it. We know you guys want it. But come, come and let's let's break bread. Right. He he, Ray is like, what are we here? You know, what is this all about? Are we going to fight? And he's like, no, we're going to (laughs) eat. Because what brings people together? Food. We talk about this all the time at my place of work at the YMCA, where what are you going to do to appreciate staff? What can you do that makes them feel like you're grateful for the work and the effort they put in? Meals. Not kidding. Like, if you order pizza for people, you get them donuts in the morning for employee appreciation day. People, that means so much to people. And the, the benefit of that is not only food is, you know, a way to the heart, but like when you share a meal, you naturally have some sort of fellowship that comes with that. You sit down and you start talking and it breaks down that barrier oftentimes that people put up. And that's what Benja wants. And I think he he makes a great point to Rhea during this section. She says something about how they assume such and such about the heart tribe. And he says, just as we assume things about them. And it's an acknowledgement that like, we're all in this, right? This is not a movie that is trying to tell you X tribe is wrong. And X tribe is And Y tribe is right. And this is how they need to come together. It's saying everybody (laughs) is not trusting it each other and everybody is assuming the worst of each other and until we stop doing that then we can't make any progress and you know it it immediately of course plays itself out when Namari the friend from the is it is it Fang? I think it's Fang. Yeah, Fang's scary, so it would be Fang. But <laughs> from the Fang tribe. <laughs> yeah. She she meets up with Raya and they start talking and she and there's that whole, you know, interplay like from one dragon nerd to another, and she has the Sisu necklace and all this stuff, and she shows Rhea that scroll and tells her about the legend of Sisu being at the end of a river, which all is set up, and ultimately she betrays Rhea. She's betrayed by this person that she thought had the same feelings as her and ultimately that leads to the gem breaking apart everybody scrambling each tribe grabbing a piece and going their own way and the drone coming back and turning everybody in that area to stone including rays father and she then has to be this determined person to unite the pieces and and, and so We jump forward, that's like the whole setup of the movie, we jump forward, and the rest of the movie is just her trying to bring the pieces back together with the intention of trying to save her father. Like, that is Rhea's goal along the way. Like, that's how it starts off, and, and that's how it remains for most of it. So, eventually she meets Sisu, and they go on this journey and so I guess let's just start there like how does the character of Sisu end up playing into this where it helps to change the way that Rhea is approaching this quest
1: well I read the interview that dealt with um Rhea and the Last Dragon where the actors and the directors were talking about the film and Aquafina, who plays Sisu talked about how this performance she was inspired by Robin Williams' role as the genie in the 1990s with Aladdin. And so she based her character off of that. So I, that was the first vibes I got from her character is that she almost reminded me of a genie. Like if she wasn't a dragon, she would be a genie, granting magical requests. Um, she pops up when Rhea is in the middle of strong need to go out and seek these pieces. She comes and we already see that Dragons do exist, you know, it's not just a fairy tale, it's right there in front of our eyes. And during the times where Rey is going through this journey and she reaches some tough spots and you know she's wondering how is she gonna be able to get all these pieces back, Sisu is right there just to give her words of guidance, not really telling her what she should do, but just giving her these um little markers of just thought, you know, just helping her with her own personal philosophy, because like you said. Um, this movie does a great job just showing us complex characters. Like, you know, there is not a person who is all good or all bad. You know, it's like real people. We all have our good and bad moments. And Rhea, even though she is trying to rid the world of mistrust and dishonesty, she has a problem of her own of trusting herself when it comes to, um, how do you say it? I want to say it. Nairomi? Uh, Namari. Namari. My bad. Namari, yes. Um, she has problems with trusting, um, Namari herself and they don't trust each other. I mean, they're rivals as a kid, and there was more in the interview where they talked about how this rivalry between Namari and Raya, how, you know, they're rivals and they don't like each other, but they have so much in common, so that makes it even more pressing for Raya to learn the lesson from Sisu about how she has to learn how to trust herself, you know, because it's not just a problem with other people that she's trying to get rid of. She has to get rid of her own problems. She has to look inward herself, and... Sisu, she's also good comic relief as well. I mean, there's the um, there's the tribe they go to. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's right on the water, and they go there, and they have already gotten the other supporting characters, such as the little kid who helps them sail there, and she wants to get something to appease the, I guess it's the king or the prince or the um leader. It's, it's the uh,
0: chief. It's the tail. I believe, and it's the one that lives on the water, like you said, so that they, you know, because
1: the, the whole story being that the droon
0: are kind of fire, so they're they're repelled by water.
1: Yeah, so she goes and wants to impress the chief with a gift, and then the boy tells her, well, hey, why don't you just get everything on credit? And Then she goes to all the different merchants, just takes things, and just says, yep, yeah, credit, and <laughs> she, just, she just doesn't realize how money and, like, currency works in the world, but, I mean, she's a dragon, for one, And she's been away from the world for a long time, so it would make sense. But she's great comic relief. I mean, I love the chemistry that she has with Rhea. And I love the importance of her explaining about, you know, the abilities of her brothers and sisters, explaining how the Dragon Gym came to be. She even says herself, you know, even though if you see this film and you see the trailer and the poster, you would think that Sisu would be the person who created this whole thing and is trying to get her family back. But no, her brothers and sisters all came together to create this dragon gem. She was the one, she says she compares it to like a person who's a part of a group project and everybody does their part. And the last person, all they get to do is just hand in the project to the teacher. That's pretty much what she did. It's a brilliant Um, description. Very brilliant description. Very brilliant. I mean, so, but for me, she's still a hero just because of the guidance and the mentorship she gives Rhea. And She's a fantastic character, I could say. I think, probably, if it wasn't for Rhea, she would be my favorite character in the film.
0: Yeah, I, I, well, okay, so, first of all, the, the, it's Talon, actually, I spoke incorrectly. Tail is the first place they go. Okay. And that's where they find the chief. It's another, like, Tomb Raider-esque section where they have to, like, beat a bunch of traps Mm -hmm. I just I love that stuff so much. And they get there and the chiefs got the gem and Sisu's like, yeah, the chiefs basically died by their own traps, like protecting the gem, which I thought (laughs) was a great little comment. They don't dive into it too much, but for discerning viewers, it reminds of like Indiana Jones movies and things like that and people who they cared so much about the power clutching onto it that they just died trying to protect it versus leaving this space they say they would rather die there so that no one else could have it um and that was really what they were getting at there and then they go to talon which is the place on the water and that credit sequence which is one of the modern things that i mentioned in the ff plus episode that i don't really love there's a Uh... couple of things but but this time around sisu grew on me uh and i will say i so i think when aquafina's Humor is modern. I don't love it. And those are the things that just uh, little nitpicks that I have with the film still. But for the most part, she always is able to bring it back with an emotional performance that I think kind of calls back to the work she did in the farewell and, and shows how good she is at kind of balancing those, that humor with real sentimentality. And so when they go and they do this credit thing, it's silly and it's in the modern te- you know, context, but it plays out in a very powerful way because she doesn't know what she's doing. She's 500 years old or been asleep for 500 years, like you said, and it allows her to get manipulated and taken advantage of by this chief, right? Who the Sisu's been promoting from the very start a gift. She says, a gift. You should start with a gift, start with a gift, start with a gift. And Ray is like, no, 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 you're crazy. Why would I give you something if you're not going to give me something? Like that is like, that's insane, which is a huge problem with the world today. It's, it's all about what am I getting out of the situation? And no one wants to take that first step. And Sisu is following up what her dad taught her about saying, a gift says you can trust me Can I trust you? I thought that was brilliant. And of course, I think the film needed to do this. It needed to show us that going wrong, right? Because that's what happens with this chief who then walks her outside the gate and you find out the other old chief is sitting there as a piece of stone. And clearly that is how this old woman uh, had gotten the gem. And so Sisu has to learn this lesson and I think it's really powerful the way that they are sitting on the boat after this is over, after they finally get out of there and they're having a conversation about this. And what she says to me, it was almost my connecting point. She says, being people is hard. And then she, you know, some comedy in here. She says, you have small heads, no tail. You lie to get what you want. And then Rhea follows that up by saying, yeah, the world's broken. You can't trust anyone. And Sisu says this, or maybe it's broken because you don't trust anyone. And I just thought that was so profound, right? It's really the whole movie, the whole crux is Sisu going on this adventure with Rhea, but the whole time she's fighting this battle to try and get Rhea to understand this different way of looking at something that they both see as broken, but like it's, it's optimist versus pessimist. Right. And it's, it's brilliant. I think because Sisu says, you've got to prove to someone that you can give your trust. you got to give it to get it. And Raya just believes it's the opposite. She wants to take it. Um And I love that. And I, and ultimately that character is able to continue to like, give me these nuggets while being entertaining and being funny. And it is, it is really a great performance. So like the only quibbles, I don't have any issues with Aquafina. you know, the ones I nitpicked were the script itself, but I think she grows into a very genie like character. And I remember cringing when I saw somebody write that in a review before I saw the movie. And I was like, are you, that is like sacrilege. Like, how dare you? Compare this to Robin Williams. And we don't need to compare it to Robin Williams and say, is it better? Is it worse? But it is really darn similar. You know what I mean? Um, It really, really is. And I, I think that I love that it. it's two women, too. It's two women. And the antagonist is a woman <laughs> as well. The primary antagonist is a female, Namari. And so it, it's really a new place for Disney to go. And I think it's it works out really well.
1: No, nah, it's of course, this is always a great place for Disney. I mean, Disney always does this well, where there is a genie like character in one of their films. Um, I believe that. For me, the um bit marker of their relationship comes towards the end, almost where they both kind of really learn. They both kind of learn their lessons on their own but Raya is more of the beneficiary from what Sisu teaches her when it comes to having the confrontation with her rival, um, Namari. And Sisu tells her, hey, you have to trust her. And it's harder for Raya to do it because she's gone on so long with having these problems of trusting other people. And she expects for other people to not trust her that she ends up shooting Namari. She ends up like, I think it's like she shoots an arrow at Namari or what does she do?
0: In the very end of the movie? Well, yes. yeah, Namari shoots the arrow accidentally after threatening to and ends up hitting Sisu and killing her, theoretically.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, we see in that moment right there that Raya clearly still hasn't learned the lesson of trusting and she's still facing these issues. And it's kind of a bearer right back to what Sisu was telling her. Sisu's telling her that, yes, the world may be damaged and it may be beyond control, but... You have to kind of control what you can do. You know, if the world is bad around you, then you have to do what you can to make it a better place. And in an interview that I talked about earlier that was on Collider, where they talked about it with the actors, I think Kelly Marie Tran talked about this and saying that how when you put yourself out there on the line to do good things for other people and to show positivity in the world, there are going to be plenty of times where you're going to be crushed by the world. Like the world's going to take everything from you, even though you're trying to do good things, it's going to take everything from you. And it's all about getting up off the floor and continuing to be that person who's all about doing good, who's all about showing honesty and showing trust. And it can be very hard, you know, especially when you get doses of people who don't appreciate the, the respect and the honesty and the trust that you show them. And I think that's a very important lesson for all of us is that even though the world around us may not be in tune with our ideals of what we should do and what we should live and how to be happy that does that shouldn't stop us from continuing to be the person we want to be like change starts somewhere and it starts with us
0: yeah no i mean that's you're absolutely
1: right a hundred
0: percent uh and it bears it out in this very much so to the point where the characters have to follow that in order to have any chance of success Of course, because that's how stories are told and that's how they work. Um, Did you have any thoughts on the other characters, the other supporting characters? For me, I would say, I think that this might be, if we're going to use the word weakness of a film, I I, I didn't find anybody to be super memorable. Um, We had Boone, who was the small uh, little kid who's the boat captain. He's adorable. We had a baby with monkeys. I never got that. I like never understood. It's one of those slapdash type of character additions that I feel like that's in there for the little girls, and the little boys, the little Mm -hmm. kids, right? That's what that one's there for. It's not there for me. And then we had Tong, who was the lone warrior left from the Spine Clan. I actually really liked him. We don't get a lot from any of these people. And I think maybe that's part of why they didn't leave a huge impression. But Tong, for me, the fact that he when they meet him he's presenting himself as this he's huge right and he's presenting himself as this display of strength and power because that's what these spine warriors exemplified and then we learn about how lonely he is being left by himself and he ultimately you know comes to the point where like he's looking for a family they're all looking for family and it's non-traditional family everybody's lost something that's the thing like Rhea is so focused on the fact that she lost her dad and she needs to understand and she has to come to realize, I think Boone is the one that actually brings it up at one point. He says, look, we've all lost family. We've all lost loved ones because of the drone. This has affected everyone. And so we feel you and we're here for you and we want to do this together. And so that was really sweet. Ultimately, even though individually, none of those people really
1: like, Will be that memorable to me? I don't think. What about you? The one that I found at least close to being memorable because I love kids a lot, especially babies, was the con baby. Of course, oh I mean, I, <laughs> hey, I don't understand it either. I mean, this baby was jumping around like it was Spider Man, like <laughs> like it had been bit by a spider and like the way that a spider monkey. Have, sorry, spider <laughs> <I'm> monkey. <sorry>, <laughs> right about that uh, the the way that this baby with you know, I guess maybe one or two years old, the brains that fully developed, I don't know how they were smart enough to operate as a pickpocketer on the street and be able to have these monkeys at their disposal. But hey, I mean, it's a, it's a Disney film, so I'm gonna have a little fun with it. So I took it at face value for what it was offering. And I was thinking, it's very sad that this baby is just out here living life with like no parents, no guidance or anything like that. And I just Felt And I really wanted by the end for this baby to be reunited with their parents again. I I think if there was one thing I took away from Con Baby is that, you know, hey, the children are are our future, you know, and it's up to us to lead the way.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that somebody did. I actually saw a tweet from somebody else that was like, all I'm saying right now is I would die for this baby and these monkeys or whatever. So clearly it works for some people it's not like it ruined the movie or anything for me. I just was like shaking my head going, this is one of those things. It just is clearly not meant for me. Um So the fact that Rhea is a princess, but she's really more of a warrior. Did you enjoy that? Because I will say, I thought it was really cool that there's not a bunch of girl power, rah, rah, rah stuff here on the surface. It's not, overtly quote I put this in air quotes feminist as some people would expect or think it should be instead she is a princess technically of heart but you never really see her in any sort of ruling capacity like her only ruling duty is part of this family that's in charge is to be a protector of the gym and she is an awesome fighter uh, the combat is not often there's only a few sequences of it but when they do go hand to hand or sword to sword it's pretty sick i love the fight animation choreography and to me i thought that this was just an awesome awesome portrayal of a female character in the disney world that doesn't need to be tied to any sort of, quote, ruling responsibility of people. Um, she could just exist and just be a badass and have agency and have flaws and go through this process and come out better and learn to trust. And she doesn't have to, like, wear a crown in order to do that, even though she, quote, technically fits that princess mold.
1: Yeah, for me, I think the big role that Raya will play when it comes to the audience and for the general, you know, consensus for this film is that we finally get to see um a depiction of an Asian princess um in a Disney film, and that's great, you know, especially now when so many Asian Americans around the country are facing um attacks and discrimination, especially ever since the COVID virus. It's great that we have a, a Disney film like this that is um giving us a depiction of people that we often don't get a positive depiction of in films. This has gotten better, but back in the historical days, it wasn't like that. So now I'm glad that that's getting on the right track. And it's also seen a female character that, like you said, has flaws. You know, there's a scene towards the end of the film, and it's talked about the in interview with Kelly Marie Tran, where she says that with Raya towards the end of the movie, where she gets to feel justifiably and absolutely unapologetically angry, for me, seeing a young woman in a movie like this just to get the feel, that righteous anger, and then recognizing that the thing that pulls her out of it is seeing her friends and how they're helping other people feels so real to me. And, you know, we often talk about so many times about how these films, not just animation film, but films in all genres, will fail the Bechtel test and where we'll have these flimsy written female characters that are just there for image or for looks. Or for something where they don't really have agency, where they don't have importance. And this film just reinforces all the positive things I want to see in how females are depicted, not just in animation, but in many other films. You know, show the good things they do. Show them having a loving relationship with their father. You know, show them on the track to becoming a queen. You know, show them on the, show them being ambitious and working towards a goal. Show them being a hero. I'm all for it. It's, it's great for me
0: and she's never
1: weak (laughs) yes (laughs) she doesn't
0: start weak and then get strong that seems Mm -hmm. for a long time i feel like disney was stuck in this world where it's like well we're gonna have strong princesses but they've got to start off as like weak and and Mm -hmm. not able to accomplish things and they grow into this ability to accomplish things we get from that very first scene we learn she's not weak that's what that establishes when she's going through that process to get to the gym and she actually gets her little toe on it, right? Proving her dad wrong from the get-go. She is awesome. And so I love that. I love it, I love it, I love it. So visually, I really enjoyed this. I think we've talked about it several times, how I wish we could have seen it on the big screen. I still would love to get a chance to do that. And then also, I think that the score from James Newton Howard, having watched it a second time and then gone back and found it Nice enough to listen to, I had to do some work today, some spreadsheet kind of transactional stuff, and so I just threw the score on after I'd watched the movie and it's fantastic. I mean, it is really just a wonderful score, and of course, it's got a lot of i think a southeastern Asian musical influence to it, which is, as it should so I really liked those elements uh and then I think that like visually speaking. I love the depictions of the different dragons, the way that they are shown throughout, like toward the end, we get to see a whole bunch of different dragons, of course, but then also just the different regions of Kumandra. I think that it made it such a traditional adventure exploration type story for me, where you had the, the land that's on stilts in the water. You had lands that, Instead, they built big walls around themselves. You had lands that like tried to live underground and like everybody was trying to deal with this problem in a different way. And so it made for these different terrains and landscapes and jungles and some was rainy and some was not. And I thought that that was really cool. Uh, and I enjoyed kind of going from place to place quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to take it to um, James Newton Howard because, hey, I'm going to keep bringing it up with Letterbox. Um James Newton Howard is my third most listened to composer. Um, all time on the site you know um, he's a favorite of mine's and I like you said I love the job that he did with the score and I said in my review when I wrote it that you know oftentimes for Disney with films like this we often get a lot of musical numbers or some show pieces and I was kind of glad that we were able to take a break from that with this film now I'm not saying that I don't like a good Disney tune you know I'm still singing many Disney tunes that I listened to in my childhood to this day so, you know, I have no problem with Disney musicals, but it was nice to see a story just operate effectively on its own and without needing any music to come in and interrupt things. You know, it was a, there was a nice, good pace with this film, even though, I mean, sometimes it could feel a little long, but overall, it's doing a pretty good job with the editing and the way it moves. Um
0: I'm really far- glad you mentioned that
1: about the musical,
0: because you're right, like, it, it doesn't have songs, which mm-hmm. is... There's not very many of these movies that have been that way for Disney. You know, Big Big Hero Six comes to mind as one that didn't have a bunch of musical numbers, and I actually think it's much stronger
1: for not having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but also for me, I'm just not. I haven't really ever gotten into musicals. I hope to change and That's probably why I haven't still seen La La Land. Probably so to answer your question, <laughs> for me, the the place I was most excited to look forward to in this film, as far as a dragon. Rep- place Because we do get some great scenes where Raya is going to these other places to find the pieces for the gem. But Fang was always the one I was excited for because it was finally going to be the part of the story where we were going to see if this conflict was going to resolve itself. You know, Fang, you know, we see in the beginning of the film that Fang, the tribe, Nomari was a part of, they are the guys who came in there and went to go after the dragon gem. And that's why I broke into pieces. And that's how the Duran was able to come and take over the world again. So it was going to be great to see how Ryan was going to be able to get the pieces out of Fang, how she was going to be able to resolve her bitter relationship with Namari, how she was going, if she was going to be able to follow the lessons that Cease would have been teaching her over the film, and she was going to put that into fruition. And also, I mean, you look at Fang and it's like the most beautiful part of, of the world that we see at the moment because they have most of the gem. You we see that Namari's mama has a stick and there and most of the gym is right there on the stick, and this what's been able to keep them from the Duran from able to come into their land and take over everything. But towards the end of the film, Namari reminds her mother, hey, like we, we need more pieces of the gym because we want we need to expand. You know, our res- our resources are dwindling down. And if we and if we have all pieces of the gym, then we can expand safely without the Duran coming and taking over our people. I mean, so we see that even though Fang was the reason for this whole thing starting off, we can understand the reason for doing it. They they have grown to become afraid of the other. They've grown to become afraid of the tribes even coming back. We hear that Namari's mother tells her daughter, hey, um, yes, like it would be great to have the tribes back, but what would they think when they see what we have? Wouldn't they try to come and take it? Wouldn't we be fighting again? So they have their own concerns. It, it doesn't matter whether we believe or not it has any merit. This is what they feel would happen. And it adds more complexity to this whole story that it's not just one person who's doing all good. Like, everybody has flaws in this story, and the people of Fang was one of them, but you can understand where they were coming from. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, yeah, 100%. Yeah, everybody has flaws, and everybody has something to bring to the table at the same time. And that's the only way unity really actually works. <laughs> Real unity, that's what it requires, is sacrifice from each and every side on some level. And somebody has to be the first one to do it. And I I think about this all the time with, you know, someone having to be the first person. Relationships, when you are arguing or in a fight with your significant other or a family member, somebody's got to apologize first, or you just sit in this stalemated place of bitterness and resentment and it just grows and grows into the point where here we are with a world completely fractured because no one wants to be quote man enough no one wants to be woman enough to just suck it up and take that first step towards giving somebody else the benefit of the doubt by the way while you're talking I looked it up I am shocked I had no idea James Newton Howard was this prolific of a composer, <laughs> he's my number two, number oh, two, right. Yeah. Hans, Hans is number one, which is not, too. not a surprise, not a surprise at all. But only like six movies behind him for me is James Newton Howard. Then I had Danny Elfman barely over John Williams and then Alan Silvestri, which those are not ones I actually Danny Elfman. I didn't realize he had that many either, but I would have expected John Williams to be higher. But yeah, James Newton Howard. Holy crap. Guy's been composing his butt off for years. Well, before we get into connecting point, the last thing I want to talk about is just so we we mentioned the mythology, and one of the things that I thought was really cool is the idea of how the dragon system works. So Sisu talks about how her family is all water dragons. Each of the dragons has a different water power. One of them is rain, one of them creates fog. One of them transforms, which is a very common dragon lore, is dragons transforming into humans. And I love, like, Sisu getting those powers over the course of the adventure and then getting to use them all throughout the time when she needs to, to fight Um, these from her brothers and sisters and stuff. But, the thing is, the existence of water elemental dragons implies the existence of other elemental dragons. So, That means there's got to be fire dragons, and poison dragons, and earth dragons, and whatever else there is. I need to know what other dragons are in this world. There are a lot of dragons flying around at the end of this movie, Gilles, a lot. And I need to know more. So, much like How to Train Your Dragon, I actually would totally be down for a sequel to this movie. That expands on the lore. I don't know. I'm not going to tell it where it needs to go from a story perspective, what the adventure needs to be. But I think this world was really ripe for exploration and for just investment to like make it bigger and show us more. Like what's outside of Kumandra? (laughs) Who knows? Right. And what are these other dragons and what can they do? So personally, I got to say, I actually really would love a sequel to this and I want to see. Disney expand this world further and give me more tomb raiding type stuff and more dragons.
1: Well, it's like you know when you go to Olive Garden and you know you go and you order them breadsticks for an appetizer (laughs) and them breadsticks they hit so hard that almost (laughs) you eat much of them it's almost gonna feel like a dinner. So I feel that (laughs) could be like those breadsticks. It could be like the appetizer, the nice appetizer that sets up for your your main course that you're gonna have and. I'll be down for a sequel for this film. I felt that there is so much in-depth they can go to with this world. You can take this story so many avenues. There's plenty of potential to be unlocked, and I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to this. Um, Like you said, I, I was hoping to see a fire dragon the whole time in this film. We never got it, but next sequel, that's where you can put that fire dragon at. And so many other elemental dragons. And we can go and explore the... The history and the abilities of those, and just keep expanding this world. I, I would love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, lightning dragons. There, there's got to be something. There's got
0: to be. <laughs> there's got to be another threat. And the, the drone That's the thing. The drune are not ever. There's no resolution for the drune. Like they, we don't really know where they came from. They just poofed into existence and were evil and did this thing, and then they just get beaten and disappear again. Like we have no earthly idea where that came from. And what their purpose was. And, you know, a great story would be kind of trying to figure out why did the, dru- what are the Druid? Where- why are they here? Why are they? And then maybe we give them some sort of sympathetic backstory to where we start to learn, like, there's a, there's something within them that makes them an interesting race of whatever they are. For what, what why are they trying to accomplish what they are? Uh, and so I-, I think that there's a lot of places it could go. And I, I would love it. I think it's a great cast overall. They deserve to have more resources thrown in this direction. Um, we can take a break from traditional princess stuff for a while. <laughs> all right. Well, last thing is connecting point And just like our one word takeaway in this episode, we have the same one again. Yours is, uh, I guess, it's really all the same thing. So I'm just going to let you kick us off and I'll come piggyback
1: off. So it comes time where the um, the hero finds themselves backed up into a corner. We see that Raya, Namari, and all the supporting characters and Sisu, they see that the Duran is taking over the city. They, because Sisu was shot, all of the water was taken away in the world. So now the Duran are able to run roughshod over Fang. And we're seeing that the supporting characters. I, I love this. I love the moment where I saw the supporting characters. They stopped worrying about getting pieces of the gym and they would just worry about evacuating the people of Fang, just getting them out of there before it got destroyed and everything. Headed, like, go to, go get some water, you know, get into a safe spot. And in the moment where Durant surround, surround Kaya and the other characters, we see that Kaya now understands the lesson that Sisu taught her, that she has to make the first step. She has to learn how to trust. And so what she does is that instead of just keeping the, Duran at bay with her one little piece, and listening to this to to the boy, um, the boy captain, he tells her that we're never going to trust Namari because of what she had previously done to Sisu. But Raya's like, hey, then I gotta take the first step, and what she does is she ends up giving her piece to Namari, and she turns into a statue, and then that sets off almost like a chain reaction. We see the cat, the boy captain, give his piece to Namari. Then we see. Then we see the guy from Fine, Yeah, we see him give his pieces to Amari. And then, of course, we see the baby and the monkeys. They give their pieces to Amari, and they all turn to statue. And Namari here learns her lesson that in order to defeat this monster, they have to come together. They have to trust one another. They have to believe that things are going to go well. This is what the Dragon Gym was all about. This is how it was made. It was based on unity because Sisu tells us that All my brothers and sisters came together for this, and they knew that they were going to be freezing. They knew they were going to be frozen and turned into stone, but they came together so they could save the people. And Namari realizes this that in order for the world to go back to normal, for everything to be right again, she has to learn the power of trust. And she ends up putting the dragon gem pieces together, and what do you know? Boom! The Duran are gone. Don't know if they're gone forever, but they're gone. And the world starts to rebuild itself again. And everybody is together. This is what the film was building up to. The ideal world that was introduced in the beginning. That happened five years ago. Well now it's a reality. And it was all because Kaya. Namaru, and the other characters. Learned how to trust.
0: Yeah no absolutely. And it's it's definitely impossible. I think to not have it be the most impactful. Moment of the movie. So you end up getting sucked into that so easily and when raya does go to take that first step and give up her peace to namari especially after battling so hard and being so angry and just wanting to hurt her for what she did but to kind of she wanted revenge for what happened to sisu but in the end she realizes that the way to honor sisu is to believe in sisu's teaching and believe what sisu is telling her and so she's to me she's you know trusting in what sisu has been expressing as much as she is trusting in namari and it really is like a beautiful moment it actually calls back it's like bookends really well with when sisu earlier in the film is telling her story about the dragon history and her family and how they all took their magics and combined to create the dragon gem in the first place. And she, at that point, she says, while she's telling the story, she says, I don't know why they chose me. It could have been any of us. All I know is I trusted them and they trusted me when they put their faith in me. It empowered me beyond anything I could imagine. And it's that empowerment, right? That we talk so much about what it's what people need they need to feel empowered they need to feel like they have the opportunity to succeed and when all of these people do that obviously namari is put in a position where it's interesting i I don't know if there is much even trusting namari or if they're like the other people in the family i don't know if they're trusting namari or if they're trusting raya i see them as trusting raya i see raya is trusting in sisu Mm -hmm. and by default trusting in namari and then everybody else is then kind of they're going to trust raya because of the choice that she's made and all of that the the beautiful image to me of the way that they come up to raya and put you know he puts his hand on her shoulder and the baby is in the arms and like Boone just grabs her leg, and it's just—I mean, it is—it put me in tears. Like the beauty of that shot, that final moment when they all turn to stone together, is incredible. Um, and yeah, I just love the way it plays out. Just thematically, it, it works so well. Uh, and you know, and I think the idea of like a heart of stone, you know, being melted by this power of trust and such and it, and it works great and i and i absolutely love it and so yeah it's definitely my connecting point
1: well guys this is the end credits for this episode of feeling film we appreciate you giving us a slice of your time out of your day or night and if you want to keep the conversation going or give us your thoughts find us in the awesome feeling film discussion facebook group aaron thanks for another great conversation and we will talk soon hey everyone thanks again for listening
0: very active in both places and would love to chat and if you want to connect with me you can find me at shoeless patch on both facebook and twitter be sure to tag me in any comments so that i'll be notified and not miss you once again thank you for listening we'll be back soon until then stay positive and keep feeling filmed